Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Dabblers Book Club. This is the podcast for people who have never read Chaucer and probably never will. I'm Curtis. And I'm Hadja. Hello. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. I've had a week off work, so you and me have been on a road trip. We've been to all the good places. Where have we been? We have been to uh, my mum's in Norfolk. Yep. We have been to our friends in Bracknell. We have... My grandparents. your grandparents in Kettering. Hopefully didn't give them uh, I think we've given everyone corona, to be honest, yeah. actually. I think. The, we must state these were socially distanced. They were socially distanced. We haven't seen anyone for three months, really. So, mm. um, it's brilliant, isn't I it? I mean, we've, we have done quarantine and self-isolation quite well. Me, because I'm exceptionally lazy um, and I need to be dragged out of the house. Um, and you, because you have no friends. So we've done quite well. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is absolutely fair. Um, so, uh, this week, as we promised you last week, we, we're going to be joined by a guest, and I'm so excited. I'm excited because he can tell us how to pronounce the name of the author yeah. we're discussing today. Yeah, so let's do that first. Let's do book before the guest. Yeah. Um, so, the book is Death at Intervals by a Portuguese author called either Jose Saramago or Jose Saramago. Yeah, because at first I was thinking it was Jose, and then I thought, well, hang on, everyone calls Jose Mourinho Jose, so mm, I don't that's know. True. So, uh, well, we have uh, Ricardo, who is joining us shortly, is Portuguese, so he he'll be in the know. He will be in the know. I think one of his names is Jose. Is he's, he's got like <laughs> of about, course it is. He's got about seven middle names. <laughs> I, I think the, we know him as Ricardo. I think that's not even one of them. <laughs> just... <laughs> that's not actually. His name. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so we'll be we'll be talking to Ricardo, who is a drummer that we both used to work with quite a lot. I mean, I still do work with him um, every now and again when we have gigs together. Um, but yeah, you you were in a band with him for a few years, weren't you? Yes, I was. Um, yeah, lovely guy, uh, great drummer, but even better guy. Um, and... Wouldn't it be great, sorry, if we were to just like trash him right now? What's he like? Yeah, he's, he's a bit dick. Sick. I don't even want him on the podcast. But yeah, yeah. let's speak to him. Now. <laughs> yeah. Shh, no one tell him. He, he is great. I remember we had our audition for the band, which ended up being my fir- the first professional band I worked for outside of graduating music uni, and we were at the audition together. And like he's from Northampton, I'm from Kettering, so we were from the same neck of the woods, so we sort of knew of each other. I don't think we'd actually met, but we auditioned together, got the job together, then ended up doing this sort of year or two of just really, really lovely gigs all around Europe, yeah. and it was just amazing. Like there's the, I think it's the second one 
gig we did was in Venice. Yeah. So it was just me and him. We hadn't been friends long, but we just this speedboat picked us up from the airport and took us around. And I'm like holding my guitar, feeling like James Bond. Anyone listening to this podcast who wants a career in music, if you want to be in a covers band, it's not all like that. You don't do your first couple of gigs out of uni and get to go to Venice. Uh, I just wanted no. to make people feel as it, bad it as took possible. me a whole seven years to get fed up <laughs> <laughs> and do something else. But no, yeah, so I had just some really, really great times. Um, Rick, Rick is a chatter, uh, which is excellent for both car journeys home from gigs and um, for the, hopefully for this podcast. And after gig beers and everything. Yeah, and um, and we did, yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, me and him spoke about reading. We're driving to London, I want to say. We've um, got ourselves a reader. <laughs> yeah, and he, and it turns out, you know, he, he is a really passionate reader himself. And it's weird, actually. This is the first time I've read a book he's recommended because normally I'm quite good at, if a friend recommends something, I really will read it. But it took for him to, you know, mention he might be up for doing a bit of podcast for <laughs> me to read his recommendation. Um, yeah, well, we we are lucky in that this is that we are lucky in that the book we're doing today uh, is the English translation of the Portuguese uh, original, and he has read both versions. So I'm really looking forward to seeing mm. how similar the tone is and the style, because obviously, you know, they give translation prizes and translation is an art in itself when it comes to fiction um and sometimes you know the translator could create the whole own tone that is suitable for that particular market Mm. and that just works for um for the book with a particular audience um so yeah i mean with with translation you can't just um do word for word translation it doesn't work if you've got a funny portuguese writer i doubt that directly translating everything into English will get that humour across. So you have to kind of find the the equivalent. Um, I, for, the, for that reason, I would love to be bilingual. For, to, to do this, to read a book in two languages and to see, you know, uh, and to be bi- bilingual in the sense that I can understand the humour of different yeah. languages and see how they've done stuff. What I want to hear first is why he loves this book and why he recommended yeah. it. Because I think, as with every week on this podcast, we will work out our opinions mm. as we speak about it. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I want to hear as our lovely friend it. Andy said about podcasts you, you listen to radio to hear someone's thoughts but mm. you listen to podcasts to hear people's thinking yes. and how they get to their thoughts yes. so um, very wise wise man Andy yeah I want to get him on here actually mm. but I mean we'll just be alphering each other for, <laughs> for, for who can talk the most so this book Death of Intervals is I'd say a satire I'll read out the blurb, because uh, as always, they tend to say it best. Mm-hmm. In an unnamed country on the first day of the new year, people stop dying. There is great celebration and people dance in the streets. They have achieved the great goal of humanity, eternal life. Soon, though, the residents begin to suffer. Undertakers face bankruptcy. The church is forced to reinvent its doctrine and local mafia smuggle those on the brink of death over the border where they can expire naturally. Death does return eventually, but with a new courteous approach, delivering violet warning letters to her victims. But what can death do when a letter is unexpectedly returned? It's one of those great books where an author has an idea, a very big existential kind of... It's a huge what if, isn't it? Yeah, a huge what if. And what would the world be like if people stopped dying? Suddenly Mm. the main reason that we are trying to make the most of life and all that kind of thing and have churches and everything... What if that is taken away and how will people respond to it? Uh, so, yeah, it delves into that with quite a panoramic sort of starting view and then it hones in on a couple of uh, stories. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's get Ricardo on the line. Hi, Rick. How, how's your lockdown? How, how's things in Northampton? Uh, it's OK. I think 
now it's sort of better. I think it was, and I did really well, I think the first month and then very quickly it's, you miss real life. Um, but now I'm starting to see, I'm hoping the end of the tunnel, but I don't know. <laughs> I just really want uh, the pub to open and a few restaurants and then there'll yeah. be something close to happy. Lockdown, I guess books are the main thing keeping us sane when we are indoors and you have recommended to us um death at intervals by firstly how do you pronounce his name <laughs> jose saramago jose that's why they call jose Mourinho. Yeah. i was always like why don't they call him jose Mourinho? Uh, and i never really um bothered to find out thank you for this recommendation rick um but before mm-hmm. like we talk about what we thought i mean this is mm-hmm. the book you brought to us so like tell us like what why why, the, why you recommended us this book? So it was a couple of reasons. I think uh, one was because it was his 10th year anniversary of his death very recently, which was on June uh, 18th or something like that. So it's been 10 years since he died. And he is one of the first writers I fell in love with, with really hating him as a person. And <laughs> hating is a very strong word here, but like disliking a lot of the stuff he stood for but falling in love with his writing. Oh, wow. So it was this, oh, I really like the way you write. And I actually believe in a lot of things you say, but the way you say things and do things and some of your political views, I don't agree. So there's this very dilemma. And I I think because of the way he writes as well, it just made me love Mm -hmm. his writing more. And then I felt that because of the lockdown and because of the pandemic, I, I thought... His books mm. are always, at least three of my favorite, are very much about uh, dystopian countries and or, you know, scenarios yep. that he purposefully puts the characters in these, what if this happened? And then he explores them to the extreme. And I thought, this is the book to read right now because I felt, you know, it, 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 we will find things that uh, might help us understand what's happening in the world if that makes sense. Definitely. I mean, there are definitely pandemic parallels in here, just in terms of how governments sort of respond to catastrophes or, yeah, new situations. The only other reason was because uh, I was listening to your podcasts and I think it was, well, I still am, but I think it was on on the one about uh, Charles Bukowski. Mm -hmm. There was uh, something that you were having this discussion. I think it was that one. You were discussing about adverbs and just the way he wrote Mm. uh, that you weren't very fond of. And I thought, as almost a practical joke, I was like, okay, what do you think of this really weird way of writing? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'll tell you what, the reason why I told uh, as well, or I, I often tell people to read this is because I've read these all in Portuguese and I actually found them extremely hard to read in Portuguese. Um, so I wanted to see how I translated and actually it's very much the same, but I guess, well, I don't know why, but I, I I felt like, so it it translates really well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the writing, it's not quite the same, but it's true to it's, you know, how much uh, translation can be, which I was very surprised. We actually had a chat about this, like where translation, the art is, the skill is in the tone and getting the tone right, not necessarily every word. Word. Well, Um, I guess there must be some bits of humour that, you know, a turn of phrase or something that would work in Portuguese that maybe wouldn't translate to English. It's hilarious because a couple of them I I know, I don't remember now, but reading them, I'll be like, oh yeah, I know what he means, but this has been 
yeah. put into a cultural turn of phrase that makes sense. Yeah, that's amazing that you, um, obviously, yeah, you being bilingual can read a book and experience it almost twice in two languages and also get that extra experience of, you know, how it works in both, um, which was amazing. Interesting, you said you found it hard to read in Portuguese because... Um, I, I was I was just texting my sister before we started recording this. She said, "Oh, what book are you doing? And was it good?" Mm-hmm. And I and my really like quick just to send a text evaluation of this book was quite hard to read, but amazing concept. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Hadj, what you found. Yeah, similar. Um, if one word says twenty words, I will read that word slowly. But if a hundred words say mm-hmm. three, I will <laughs> skim it quite quickly. Um, and yeah, I find myself in the latter situation mm-hmm. with this book. Yeah, I found that the, the tone I really enjoyed. I liked mm. how lighthearted it was. The writing style itself, yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, I know there was, yeah, a lot of yeah. adverbs and explanation, but it was all about tone. Wasn't yeah, it? He I wanted to that. really give you a sense of, of how people spoke. And, and the narrator mm-hmm. as well was just quite, you weren't ever sure who was narrating it and what side you were on. No, yeah. Um, which was very clever. Which I guess is is the thing that I was saying, because I don't think that um, this book in Portuguese was as hard for me because it wasn't the first I read, um, which actually there's a line in it, which I'm not sure you would have picked it up because this is actually a very loose, it's kind of very loose trilogy. Oh, because there's two other books, but they are loosely connected by being in the Portuguese version. They're about Portugal. So in in the translations, they say a country, but in the Portuguese books, they are specifically talking about either Portugal or Spain. Is that Um, like the country that this is set in, or is it just a single reference you're talking about? Well, no, technically, he he says, I mean, in this one, I'm not too sure, (laughs) but the other ones are blindness and seeing. And the idea is that this is all happening. It's almost like a case study that it's all happening in this country and the rest of the world is fine. But this country, for some reason, is experiencing mm. these very strange mm-hmm. things. Um, and without getting too much into the other books, the only thing is he mentions uh, the white blindness in this book relating to death because is to do with the other book. So it's just like, uh, you know, what, 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 what's the term? Not to them. Yeah. yeah. It's just a little it, hats off to the a little salute. Yeah. Maybe fans. Yeah. So those other two books are very clearly Spain or Portugal. Or are you saying that just the translation of Death at Intervals yes. is... Okay, so both, both versions of Death at Intervals are an unnamed country. Yes, but what I was going to say was that with Blindness, uh, I found it harder to read, specifically, I guess, because it was the first time I read his style, and I found myself rushing through the page and then going, I don't know what I just read. I don't know who was talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and having to learn how he uses commas as a very... It's, it's kind of, at least this is how I feel it. It's, it has to be a very long pause, as in what reading. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the punctuation doesn't do what it would usually do in no. other books. You kind of have to, yeah, add in those pauses. I mean, it's quite interesting because on a couple of places, he um, adds in about five spaces yeah. um, at certain points within paragraphs and stuff. And um, Yeah, well, when you read like, you know, a regular book whatever that means 
um, you, you kind of sometimes you'll hit a page and it's loads of dialogue. So there'll be mm-hmm. short sentences, almost like you're reading a script. Mm-hmm. And then some pages, like a chapter will end and you've got half a page. But this book, because of the, his style, it's like wall to wall words, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of just after you let yourself be hypnotized by it. Um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, yeah. And again, the, the thing that he does really well in Portuguese and in English, it, it's again, it, it is like what Had was saying that it just seems like he's just saying the same thing three times. But the problem is, in Portuguese, he will do these very complex and eloquent metaphors and then literally goes to break them down for like, if you don't know anything about these words, this is what I mean. But because of it, it's almost like it becomes educational, Mm -hmm. but there's too much reading to just get to the point. So it is like a nice tone, but at the beginning, it was really tough because I was like, I get it. Can we move on? Can, can I tell you something I loved about this yeah. book? Because obviously, you, you know, it, um, it's really cool. You've recommended us a book that is by one of your favorite authors. So I obviously like the concepts and everything. And the first two thirds were very focused on little stories of how it was happening in the country. And the yep. government did this. The government did that. The, the mafia did this. But then the last third of the book, when it focuses on death, Mm-hmm. herself they they refer to death as a she mm-hmm. um as like an, this anthropomorphic mm-hmm. kind of like skeletal character that mm-hmm. then goes into the world mm-hmm. because um the letter's been bouncing and she follows around that cellist mm-hmm. um and it's this whole thing of her following the cellist to deliver the letter but then falling in love with the cellist and having and it's just this little love story between yeah. death mm-hmm. and the and the guy the cello player i thought i was so charming that end yeah. of it so so i'll just throw that out there i thought that was so fantastic that, <laughs> that last third of the book that is exactly exactly why i love this book because if it feels to me like a great film with an awesome twist because it it leads you to believe the book is about something and then it introduces death it's so swiftly and it goes what what it seems the story takes a whole other perspective and then suddenly it's no longer about the country and then is zooming in and owning on this two characters and especially the whole of that beginning of telling what death, where she lives and how she exists is so fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the conversation she has with her uh, scythe, is that how you say it? The oh, scythe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't speak, but they understand. I couldn't even work out what the fuck that was. <laughs> I know, it's so surreal. But again, the thing I love as well is at the end, it causes, you know, discussion because you can interpret it in different ways and things like that go unsaid. So which is great, I guess, in a book to leave you wondering and wanting you to, you know, I guess, come up with your own answers. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm so glad we're on the same page with that, actually. That is really, really cool. And I I guess the first part of the book, I think it's important to know his background because he was a very outspoken uh, communist and uh, atheist. And the reason why I say those two things is because he was very active in uh, the revolution of 74 in Portugal that took down our dictatorship, but it was supposed to be a communist uh, revolution, but became socialist. And so the way he always talks in his books, you always see that he is always gets not so much political, but he always talks of of everything. So social, economical, and political, Mm. which is very interesting because he explored like the whole idea with the mafia is just so interesting how he takes it to another level of exploring the idea of how you know funeral homes become a new a new mafia is just interesting 
Yeah, he really does tackle every single side to it, doesn't it? Because he even makes, I mean, obviously, if I don't know much about um, him or his politics or Portugal or anything mm -hmm. like that. But I feel that with a bit more knowledge, I would get yeah. like his messages, you know, because he mentions um, the Republic as well, doesn't mm -hmm. he? But now yeah. under the king yeah. and he mentions sort of, um, yeah, the different um, structures. Um, but yeah, you feel like he's he has got a lot to say yeah. about everything. <laughs> and it's all in there. There's so much in there. And I like people packing, whether it's political or religious ideas or whatever it is, into fiction and making it bite-sized. Yeah. Now, I know this book is by no means bite-sized. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a book by um, Robert Tressel called The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist, which is basically, I mean, it's a fiction. It's a story about some men building a house. Mm -hmm. But it's basically the like an absolute... Um, blueprint of democratic socialism mm -hmm. and i love that in a writer and, and i actually i mean while i could tell that saramago was politically driven i had no idea he yeah. was like involved with the revolution in portugal that's incredible well, to to hear and and just as a completely well not a complete side note but talking about his um, atheist beliefs was mm -hmm. because um that all came into play again because he so he wrote uh the gospel uh, according to jesus christ which is a book i've actually haven't read but it became sort of like his biggest note to fame at the time. And the government actually at the time, this is early nineties, I believe. So basically they said that he couldn't go to the European award of, uh, I can't remember the name because it was actually considered offensive to Catholics in Portugal. Wow. And that made him uh, actually flee to Spain and just go, uh, I, you know, I'm done with this country i'm just gonna move to spain well i mean the catholic church gets lots of stabs doesn't it <laughs> exactly and then the problem was which was kind of like a a win for him in the end was at the end of the 90s he wins the nobel prize of literature which then kind of you know vindicates him i guess to the government but he never came back that's incredible so what public opinion in portugal like of him now how, how is that so again it, i think from talking to friends it's always like the, most people don't like the way he's, um, you know, his writing is tough. And Portuguese is not a very simple, uh, I'm not saying that English is, but he he is very a, a very complex writer. Um, so a lot of people don't like him. Yeah. But the worst is because they connect him too much to his political views and his beliefs. He was very outspoken on television. So, you know, if you, if you didn't, if you never read anything, by him but then you saw him on television and you didn't agree with anything he said uh, i'm not sure you were going to go rushing to buy one of his books so i think a lot of people uh admire him as a writer if they could if they stayed away from his political views and at the same time you know i'm sure that's the the other side that people really like his political views and also like his writing but i would say that most people will be proud to say that he's you know our only I think, uh, Nobel Prize winner. But at the same time, it's like, I don't agree with anything the guy said. <laughs> but it's quite uh, open-minded of you then to to read his book. Because mm -hmm. say somebody in this country like released a book who's, who I really disagree with politically, and I can't actually think of a fair example off the top of my head. So let's say like yeah. Katie Hopkins, <laughs> to be really extreme. <laughs> like if she wrote fiction. if yeah. she wrote a fiction, I wouldn't fucking read it. Yeah. But, um, but I guess, yeah, I mean, there's nuance there. I mean, it's the classic... There you know the classic question is you know mm -hmm. separate the, the man human uh, whatever from their art but it's interesting because this is so political like it it does make more sense to mm -hmm. not want to read it because 
his opinions are quite well not quite clear but he makes his stabs and things and and if people are so um you know uh, in disagreement with what he says then they might feel that spike yeah exactly and i think it's if you're already reading thinking i don't like and i don't believe in the thing same things he says every stab is way it cuts deeper because you you're seeing it like oh here here he goes here he comes again yeah. Than, <laughs> yeah yeah but i think i didn't really realize all those political views when i i think i first read it because my mother is she devours books and i fell in love with books mainly because i saw her reading i was like well there must be something in it <laughs> and every book she would give me she loves historical fiction you know sort of romances mm-hmm. set in a, in a timeline and she loves all the details and she yeah. would tell me to read things like that and I, I just simply couldn't it just never appealed to me mm-hmm. so then she was going like, okay try this and that's when I found blindness and it, it it was one of those things that I actually remember it really well because I was meeting a friend in Spain um, and it was one of the few or one of the first times I flew on my own to meet a friend that was in Erasmus. And I read it pretty much on the way there and back because it was just so gripping. Um, wow. And from then on, it was like, oh, I love this guy. I love this writing. I started reading more. And then once I found out his political views, then there was this, oh, I, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> ah, I see. But I think okay. that's so important. I think <laughs> it's something we need to hold on to. And obviously yeah. the current climate is that, um, more than ever, yeah. well, possibly not more than ever. It just probably feels quite pertinent now that there is this whole, mm-hmm. you know, if you disagree with what someone said, you shouldn't read their work, you shouldn't contribute to their living, you shouldn't show that you support it, blah, 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 blah. And I just think that's a really dangerous space yeah. to be in as a society to mm-hmm. um, to not consume someone's words and ideas simply because you think you know what they're going to say or that you disagree with other things they do um and i think it's such a disadvantage you know the whole i mean what are we if Uh we're not people who think and think and think and examine things over and over and look at things from different angles i mean you know exactly it's, it's not worth being human or being alive if we can't challenge ourselves and I think this book actually, I mean, for me, because I know nothing of of him and I could see there are little stabs here and there, but, you know, it doesn't cut deep at all for me in any way. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I can get that he sees, I can get that he might make this comment about the Catholic Church mm-hmm. or this about. And it's all quite, for me, it was just all very satirical with a bigger existential kind of question. Um, but, yeah, sorry, just the idea of yeah challenging yourself. The, you should almost admire someone more for not playing a game to sell books yeah. do you know what i mean if he's on tv giving interviews about what he really believes and um and that's putting people off that shows a lot of integrity it, and it, it is, it's also pertinent to say that he actually found fame in his writing uh in his 60s so you can imagine that he had a lifetime of writing he was actually i think an editor for a while in a newspaper oh. So he was part of writing, but he, I think he, he wrote a couple of novels that really didn't pick up. And it wasn't until like his 60s that it took off. And then from then, it was a very quick rise to fame because I guess he found his yeah. voice and just kept coming out with books pretty much until his death. Um, so he has quite a, a, a big volume of, of work. Um, he he definitely puts his voice in in his opinions in in the book, but like you were saying, I think it's important for us not to step too much on the uh, free speech yeah. of writer or you know comedians or whatever it is 
because then we are blinding ourselves too much yeah. of and we're in this crazy area where it's not even freedom of speech it's freedom of reading <laughs> like we've now gone over to the other side where it's you can't even no. read what people mm -hmm. say exactly um which i find just just unbelievable mm, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, in fact, the first, because I was a little bit like that when it came to books by authors I didn't think I would like or themes that I didn't want to read about. And, um, mm -hmm. and I'd always, you know, read whatever was on the syllabus. But then after that, I would just pick up whatever books I was recommended. And they were usually quite sort of female centric, maybe feminist books. Um, but it was actually when I read uh, Nabokov, when I read Lolita, that mm -hmm. was the first time I started. Mm -hmm. uh, Stop being a dick, I suppose. About books. I was like, actually, no. Let's read. Can, what about a pedophile? Yeah, let's read a pedo. <laughs> hear what the pedo's got to say. Um, but just appreciating the beauty of words mm. and character and having and just remembering that words in this context they are harmless. Like words can mm -hmm. be powerful, but they are ultimately harmless. It is what you do with them that is important. And to just be able to explore things and challenge yourself and and play a bit of a tug of war with your own brain. It's so important. I think more than it's only been the, you know, two years ago I even read Lolita. And mm. I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't read anything that challenged me so much before that point. Um well I thought it was well with Bukowski I was going to turn you on to a whole new world, but that might have been beyond the pain. <laughs> For me, that was just a writing thing. Like I didn't, the story wasn't mm. strong enough for me. It wasn't important. It's like, you can be a dick, but make it a convincing dick. You yeah. Don't just be a dick. <laughs> um, I wanted, I just wanted more, you know, and in a way that Lolita, it's like, mm. you're a pedo, but I, but I get your it, point it of was, view. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, a, it was a very, very loud book. Um, Rick, if I can, um, let's bring it back to, you were saying mm -hmm. earlier about the what if. What we're presented with here as a first time reader is, what if one day in this particular city, within certain barriers, nobody died? Country, nation, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Death mm -hmm. stopped doing its job and mm -hmm. we don't die. And at first everyone's celebrating because death is seen as this like big, horrible, horrible thing that we mm -hmm. all fear so much. And then suddenly you're presented, and I think this is what's happening in the world with this lockdown right now, you're presented with issues you didn't anticipate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so in the case of the book, it's a big, big buildup and strain on financial resources. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
basically really fucking old people that won't die, just mm-hmm. like yeah. accumulating and then funeral homes going out of business. And what an amazing concept. I mean, I could have I could have just read that alone to like yeah. and, and how the news reported it and how um government um and what i didn't foresee was death writing a letter to to the government <laughs> yeah, that was such an awesome involved, twist that was that was quite a, yeah. a mm. step for me exactly that and i think there is um, i love how he how he introduces the you know it was the happiest day sort of thing everyone is happy and then very quickly you start seeing you know like i think one of the first phrases he says about the funeral homes is that they're sick of um, they're just uh, burying parrots and dogs, <laughs> and uh, and, it, and this idea that they're all sitting down, going, "What are we gonna do?" Um, yeah, and it, it, I felt like it was quite comical. Of you know, yeah, I agree. I I, I was really taken by it because you know, like that really fucking overused phrase that the only things that are certain in life are death and taxes yeah. so they say yeah. like the safest jobs you could do in this economy and i mean we're here i've got you know you're you're, you're a drummer primarily rick <laughs> hadge is a singer and a writer and and i work in the sports media like the world doesn't need any of no those fucking things um, but um <laughs> but, but, but like but um but but i love that this is a concept in which like the sure things that not the tax man in this case but the sure things like the death industry and actually that's kind of what we're seeing now a lot of people that thought their jobs were beyond safe and solid yeah yeah you know suddenly we you know restaurants well, we never bars, imagined a world where we couldn't be in a room together with other people yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre yeah it is so strange because i think especially looking slightly before this happening everyone's concerns were completely blinded by this because everyone was Mm. thinking of completely different scenarios and kind of like he does with death coming with a purple envelope of all things. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, the idea, it's so bizarre that it it makes this pandemic more sense because it's so impossible and so strange that actually now we're living it go, oh, you know, uh, it seems like things like that Mm -hmm. do happen. Um, and I guess because he explores it so much, even, you know, the seven days to give you time to, you know, put your manners, it's just so well Mm -hmm. thought, but at the same time, clumsy with the whole thing with the letter, because then it kind of bites it in the ass. So it's, it's really... Yeah, it's just really well written. He just goes wherever he wants to go with it. Mm. I think that's the thing with this book. You never get a sense he is writing for anyone. Yes. So many books, you know, works of fiction are for an audience, for a particular type of reader. They'll be boom, 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 middle, you know, start, middle, end. And the very fact that he starts from such a panoramic view and is self-aware in the the narrator himself acknowledges mm-hmm. that yeah. we're looking around, you know, while you're reading this, but, you know, so yeah. it switches between first, second and third person. Um, and I think there's even mm-hmm. fourth person as well at some point. There's a yeah. in there. The perspective shifts in this book are amazing. Yeah. I think it's so well written from that from that. But uh, I think it's it's not for me, it's not sort of classically well written in the ticking all the boxes. Mm-hmm. It is so authentically written. It mm-hmm. is like, fuck you all, I'm writing a book where this happens, death falls in love. She writes a fucking letter to everyone. There's violet letters and stuff and just these crazy things. But it's where the writer really owns the book and sees his thought, mm-hmm. his, his concept from start to finish. And that's what's so admirable and just quite magical about it, really, because you don't get that in the same way. I think a lot of people are quite, I mean, especially from like the creative writing side of things, people would be scared to write something like this. Um, without completing mm-hmm. it if you come with an idea like this there'll be a professor shooting you down and saying that won't work i think i think you're right because it, it's almost like 
uh, you know, that thing of, you know, if you write for yourself, you always write better because when you're trying to please someone, then everything feels, you know, dishonest. And I do think you're right because it is so much of a non-classical way of writing. And because he has been questioned a lot why, you know, you don't, and again, he's very self-aware because a lot of the times he will say things about himself. Actually, there's a whole paragraph where he says jokingly that he doesn't use paragraphs as much as they yeah, should. Yeah, oh yeah, God, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. It's and, and it's like, oh, there's this little nod to yourself going, yeah. I know I should do this more, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and those bits where he kind of speaks to the reader about what they're reading. Yeah, yeah. He kind of yeah. he goes. Well, oh, yeah. Now, dear reader, you'll see that. I think it's when they introduce the family that take the child and the old man to the the yeah. border, and it's like, and up to this point, you'll notice I've kept quite a panoramic view of what's going going on, and, yeah. and now I'm going to take you to yeah. this little. Uh, it's somewhere family. between being really high art and just not giving a fuck, not just doing yeah, exactly yeah. what yeah. you want to do. I've got so much time for it. I'm yeah. so glad you recommended I, us. I this. think that's a good question. Is it high art, or do they just not give a fuck? <laughs> I think again, because I was listening to your podcast, and I could see like what you two liked, I was like, okay, I think this would be a really interesting discussion because I think you both like it for different reasons mm-hmm. and there's gonna things we're gonna disagree on. So it's gonna be quite good. And uh, just as on a, on a side note, what you were saying before, Hatch, it was quite funny uh, when you mentioned, I think early on uh, on the podcast about um, you know how many female to male writers you've read because it made me think, oh, mm-hmm. I've never thought of that. And then started looking at my books and I was like, oh, Actually, I definitely read more male than female, which now has made yeah. me like be more aware of, okay, I want to read both because, well, there's different voices and why would I limit myself to one side? But yeah. clearly I have somehow. I, I don't know why. But... We all do. I just don't think we think about it. I think it's subconscious when it comes to picking off a book from your bookshelf. If you're a man, you're probably more likely to have male friends and your male friends will recommend books by so. male writers and stuff. I mean, I never really, I've, I've read I had read more male writers than you'd read female writers, Curtis, but it was still very, very female um, Mm. on my bookshelf. And for me, you know, that's actually, I wanted to read more male writers. I haven't had enough because I think you're all pigs. Stop (laughs) writing. (laughs) We know, we know. We've had enough. (laughs) Um, But no, because I think I I actually was missing out on the nuance of um, male minds in a way, um, because it is quite easy in this society. I think if you're possibly a feminist or have had certain experiences with men you just go oh fuck you all you're all pigs but actually guess what you're not all pigs uh you two are very nice um well (laughs) and no and i'm so grateful actually um of sort of pushing myself a bit more and reading more male writers and uh, and yeah sort of refreshing my bookshelf a little bit because it Mm -hmm. has been very uh, female actually we had a um in, in class uh, a, a creative writing class last year there was one guy in a room full of like 20 women and he his books were like really interesting sort of crazy ideas and all this and we're like oh you know it's so nice to read a story like this because otherwise it's just women being sad <laughs> that was basically <laughs> what all of our stories were it was just women being sad i do think this is one interesting thing about having done this podcast we're now like on series two and it's interesting rick that you say that you've listened to it and done the same way it's kind of made us this like read things that we wouldn't normally read mm. and that's yeah. you know that's the only way you're going to discover anything new, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is, is by really pushing the boat. Out. There's one thing as well. I think one of you said, and it actually again empowered me because I've always struggled. I love going into a bookstore and falling in love 
with what people tell you not to do with a cover. Mm. I'll find a cover mm -hmm. and I'll be like, I want to read this. And then I found <laughs> books that are delightful because of that, because I would never have read them because the mm -hmm. title wasn't something I cared or it didn't seem like a story is going to be anything I want to read about. But I like the cover and I bought it and <laughs> yeah. then fell in love with it. But yeah, I actually used to do that with CDs, like when like oh, going awesome. to HMV and the record stores thing. Yeah, I would buy an album based on the artwork because yeah. I thought it was just a cool way to discover new things. But I think the problem I, I found uh, was when you do a mistake. And I, I've always punished myself too hard from not finishing a book. And it was great to see one of you saying that, you know, you, you give the book a certain amount of pages and then if it not takes you away, then you kind of go, you know, it's not for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I felt always very, you know, I don't know why, maybe it's because of my mum, but I always felt very, I would punish myself. I was like, no, I need to finish this, even though I'm hating all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great to hear people say, no, you don't have to. It's like, oh, you don't have to. Great. Now, you know, I feel like I, I know. It's weird, isn't it? It's like we're at school still. You haven't finished the book and you've, you know, you're doing the exam. Um, and I think that's probably because when we first read and discuss stories it's at school and if you don't read it you fail your, yeah it's you know. imposed on us whereas there are so many books out there and it's not to say that you shouldn't persevere with some books but you might you might come back to it in 20 years when you're ready for it you know or when it means something different to you um yeah i don't think there's no point i mean god we can beat ourselves up about enough things can't bother <laughs> not reading a I book it's <laughs> too much there's enough books in the world um so 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 rick i don't know if Hajj has but i've had many car journeys with you where yeah. we've, we've spoken about books and mm -hmm. reading um which have been really fascinating and amazingly this is the first time i've read a book you've recommended me but um who, like who else do you like what would you say your you know your taste in literature how would you describe it well it's really odd because again we have a, a mutual friend who I talk a lot to about books as well, Andy. And mm -hmm. it is really interesting because he points out things that I don't see just because he's on the outside. Uh, and I've noticed that I've, I've read a lot of, I would care, they're educational and some of them are almost borderline self-help, but then they are because I see them that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he's actually saying like, I think for every two of them you read, just read fiction. Because I think you're also missing out on the whole point of reading, not just being for, um, you know, increasing your knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and hence why I started reading. Okay. And because I was afraid of falling in love or not with certain books, I was like, well, I know I love this book. I'll buy it in English and I'll reread mm -hmm. it, uh, which was what I did with uh, Death at Intervals and Blindness and, and uh, Seeing. But I would say at the minute, I'm very much into spirituality, if you believe, uh, and okay. things like Awareness by Anthony DeMeo, which is an incredible book that I would say anyone and everyone should read because it makes a lot of sense today, although it was written in the 80s. Um, and Cutting of the American Mind uh, has been another one I've read recently, which, again, is very current about how we potentially are over protecting the minds of universities and it's causing the social issues we're seeing. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I'm uh, trying to get into Harper Lee and okay. uh, because I haven't read it. And again, I heard you talking about it and I've had the book for a long time and just simply never pushed myself to read it. Yeah. Um, 
So I assume you mean uh, To Kill a Mockingbird um, and not yes. the sequel. Yes. Someone, I, can't I do have remember, a sequel as well. Well, I can't remember who we were talking to just the other day, but they were telling me the sequel was shit. Um, I thought you were talking <laughs> yeah. that. No, I've, I've not read the sequel, but, but To Kill a Mockingbird, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm the same, actually, Rick. I, just today I saw a picture of a, a picture. I saw a copy of, of Mice and Men on our table, and I was like, fuck, yeah. I, did, I never read that, and it's a classic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it goes through phases. I mean, I love um, The Shining, mm-hmm is one of my favorite films and the book mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, so it, it really, I find that it goes through phases. I think at the minute, I'm definitely going through this quite current um, political side of things. And then also like um, awareness. Um, there's another one uh, called Awakening of Intelligence. Basically there, um, these were talks that were recorded and they are all written. So you're seeing thought being processed while you're reading it sort of thing. So they're going through the ideas. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. So quite, um, well, like all good readers and a really an eclectic mix from all different people recommending it to you and, and, and different movie things. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, and if I may, there is another book uh, that I would uh, urge you to, to read. It's called Inner Game of Tennis. And it's about tennis as just the example. But the idea is how we learn and how we perform uh, live. And by live, I just mean a sport or this has been taken now into music, but it's all about tennis. Um, But there's so many good advice on how we've been taught slightly wrong how to teach ourselves a new skill. Uh, And it's super interesting. I mean, I've reread it twice now because it's all scribbled with ideas because it's so much of like, I need to use this in my own teaching. Um, I think I'll I'll be looking that one up. Right. Well, let's take it. Uh, let's take it back to the book. Death at intervals. Yeah. Should I go straight to the reviews? Yes. Let's okay. let's do that. So, Rick, you you listen to the podcast, which is which is really yeah really nice for you. I'm glad you enjoy it. But you'll be familiar that, that with every episode, we look up one star reviews of the book on Amazon. Um, and hear how angry people are and <laughs> discuss it. Are you, is that a, you know? Is that a section you're familiar with? Can I say that this is? Uh, now I'm going to sound like a little uh, you know boy band uh, lover, but I actually looked at some before I even uh, told you about this book because as I was thinking about the book, I thought of that you guys doing it. So I was like, I'm going to look at them and just see if there's some funny ones. And I was like, oh yeah, they're going to have fun. Have um, you found many? Where where have you looked? So we literally just look on Amazon. Um, as our main go-to, we could go to Goodreads. Maybe we should have a look at Goodreads as well for today. Um, I mean, I did read a couple in Portuguese, um, but uh, which maybe. <laughs> oh, do you have them? Do you have them yeah, to have? Yeah, you couldn't I... read out the Portuguese ones if you. <laughs> well, I could try to find them, but the problem is I'm going to have to translate in real time, which will be like stutter. So it'll be really. I think it'll be quite hard. I'll just be like. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm not, and um... we we don't have too many Portuguese listeners yet. Actually, we we have one. And that's that's you. So. <laughs> um, so I think I might have to go to one and two star yep. reviews because we only actually on UK Amazon we only have one one star review. Um, so this is from an M Sunderland, and it says, "Nice idea, but how dull do you have to be?" This is a great book written badly. The idea is superb, but its ponderous and wordy presentation meant I gave up. And by the way, I'd like to state that it has an apostrophe where there should not be one. Uh, And I like slow books, but this one dragged on and on and on and on without ever really getting to the point. A one line joke, an idea would be drawn out to fill a chapter. 
great idea, but duller than dish water, <laughs> not ditch water. <laughs> um, although you could probably say both. Um, so that's the only one star review. Now they're kind of saying what you said earlier, yeah. Rick, how they're taking like, like a long time to say one mm-hmm. thing, but that's kind of the beauty of it. Do you? Do you yeah, remember? I would put it the other way. We, we all could have great ideas, but it's so hard to develop a story from just a simple good idea. And I understand that it's slow, but it's engaging in all these different ways of thinking. It's meant to take you on a journey. So it is meant to have a certain pace. You can see how quickly it actually shifts at the end and actually becomes very quickly to, you know, towards an end. Well, it's interesting in the, the latest book we did was How Much of These Hills is Gold. Um, and that is a slow read, but in a very different way. You know, it's slow in that you have to make sure every single word has gone in. Otherwise, you literally don't know what the story is. And it's it's an amazingly crafted book. Um, you, you know, I, it's not quite Marmite. Mm-hmm. I, I think anyone reading it would, would know that it's a beautiful book, but it just might not be mm-hmm. for everyone. Uh, whereas this is like, there's nothing particularly hard in every no. word. Um, but you still need to read it mm-hmm. slowly and you still need to to get that full tone. But I mean, I, I say you need to read it slowly. Like I I didn't read it slowly and I think I got the gist of it and I got the mm-hmm. humour and I know what happened. And um... Yeah, that's it. I, I think that there's there's certain, I, I'll do the same, that there's certain things or um, certain chapters of a book that I get what you're getting at. And I feel like much like, in a film, you kind of go, okay, we, we have enough exposure to the idea, let's go into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like you're saying, I, I, do, I do think it is meant to slow down your reading. Uh, and I'm not sure if he was, if he means to do it, or if it's just his style, but I do find myself every time I go back to his books, the first page, I have to reread it until I go, okay, mm-hmm. this is the pace. Until you're in it. Yeah, um, that's really... Yeah, pace setting, right? I'll read one other one, uh, two star mm-hmm. because the other one someone's gone really long. Uh, so Peter says, "Oh, you might uh, appreciate this." Saramago by Numbers, uh, "Death by Intervals" is fairly entertaining, but not his best work. The satire on how people, politicians, and clergy react to the new death-free world is rather uninsightful and basic. Saramago himself has satirized the same subjects much better in other works. Um, I won't read on, but what do you think to that initial bit? Uh, not his best work? Well, again, I think he's right in saying because blindness is a lot touching, again, because his voice is so much political and uh, religious. He is touching a lot of the same topics. So you might find blindness to be a much, or even the uh, gospel according to Jesus Christ. You'll find that those voices are there. I think what he's missing, the point is that that's just him being him. The story is different. Mm. Um, So it's kind of like saying, you know, you like Freddie Mercury's voice, but you didn't like what he sang on that song. It's like, well, (laughs) you know. He just did the same high notes. I like that analogy a lot, Rick. That was, was, yeah, Yeah. spot on. Um, Good, because I'm normally terrible with them. So um, (laughs) You you probably have noticed by listening to this how often we refer to music for for analogies. And it's easy to do. But I think that's the thing as well that I I, I particularly fell in love with this book is because then there's a, uh, you know, there's that, the the musician side of things and there's some phrases in it that are so beautifully written of of how he sees music and like the play of words about life and music um but i was actually going to ask for one one thing because he is very known for this and i I wouldn't know if you'd spot it because i did in the first time i read any of his books which is there's no names 
all characters are their thing. Their profession. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just, yeah, I, I definitely, now you're saying it, I'm like, of course, yeah, didn't I did, I did notice that. But, but yeah, yeah, it didn't come to the forefront of my mind. Um, how, yeah, it was, well, it was the, the, the king, the prime style, minister. Didn't it? So it, yeah, it was yeah. kind of seamless. I would have noticed had he suddenly mentioned a name, I think. The, the reason I say it is because, again, uh, in some of the other books, the thing that it made in me or it caused me to, um, you know, in the same way that we're reading and we're imagining this story, by not putting names to anything, I felt like in any part of the world, when he says the taxi driver, you have an, an idea what mm. taxi driver looks like. And I'm sort mm. of like blindness is a lot like that for me, where I know exactly all those characters. I still know them because I made my mind of how they look. He didn't tell me. He only pointed out some, you know, minimal descriptions of how they might look. But because it's their profession, you kind of just go, the doctor, I know how a doctor looks. It looks like yeah, this. Yeah. So it kind of becomes very personal. Yeah, I, and I love when a good writer can do that. And I think Saramago mm. absolutely did, where, yeah, your, your, your mind joins up the dots and, 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 yeah, paints that full picture. Mm -hmm. Because... And I think it is, a, is something with slightly artier fiction where um, you don't get what you get with some sort of more mainstream bestsellers where they'll say the person had short cropped black hair and their eyes were piercing blue. And the, mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. he kind of, it's, he just says, like you just said, Rick, the doctor mm -hmm. and you paint the picture of the doctor. Mm -hmm. And then just through their movements, because again, he doesn't like use speech marks or anything, just their mm -hmm. movements and their thoughts and what they're doing in the story. You, there you piece together the idea of them. So for example, the cellist that we all said we enjoyed at the end, I could just see him as being in a slightly ill-fitting suit and kind of, <laughs> you know, timid. And he's an intelligent, self-assured guy, but at the same time, he's not thriving in the world. He lives alone with his dog. Yeah. He quietly pours himself a glass of wine with his dinner there were just enough little building blocks there where i knew everything about this guy and how he went about his life and yeah. his work and without exposing too much detail about his bedroom like i can see it and it's so strange when or you know it's so beautiful when the writer can do that that gives you just enough and then it gives space yeah. for your imagination and then you fill in the gaps with mm. um without <laughs> trying to say it in a different way seeming mm. uh, have we reached the end of your English? <laughs> like, have we broken uh, you? <laughs> I believe so. I, I believe think I so. know what you mean. You say like he, he seamlessly weaves in That's the this word. model where you <laughs> construct it, the rest of it for yourself. Is that fair? Or have you completely yeah. butchered what you were trying to say? No, that's exactly what I wanted to say. No, that's it. Two monolingual <laughs> English people taking the piss out of a bilingual uh, no. Portuguese man. Um, I, so I think we're going to probably uh, sort of wrap it up a little bit. I mm -hmm. do want to ask, though, what do you think his message was so there's an idea that some could sort of say it's an allegorical kind of thing others might mm -hmm. just say it's kind of a thought experiment it's just giving an idea and going wait where do we go with it do you think he's got a message specifically so i think there's a meaning for me and i think that i there's a meaning that he's done for portuguese and again this could be the mm -hmm. world but i think because it's so connected to again the country and its politics and story and history uh, I think a lot of it, at least from my point of view, he was a lot, um, he was trying to make sense of people often, well, because of Christianity, they're all afraid of death. They all wish that they could live forever, but they have mm -hmm. not thought it through. Uh -huh. uh, and, and it's kind of like, in my view, he's going, you need to open your mind. And it's always this sort of underlining um, idea of, 
we need to um, we need to educate ourselves more, and we need mm-hmm. to be more open-minded to what if it's not like this? What if that? Um, I just love being a beautiful romance of death <laughs> and the death of death, I guess. Um, and I love you know I'm a I'm a sucker for nicely bow-tied <laughs> endings <laughs> per se, and I love that it starts the way the ends the way it starts. Yeah. Uh, I feel like very poetic and yeah I, I find that there's no message for me I'm, I just love the story and the idea like you were saying well that was one thing I wondered do you think that death actually fell in love at the beginning of the story and I then don't had a know. Break? <laughs> as in this could have been how it all started how it or all started yeah it's going yeah. around in cycles what I, I believe in that because it mentions different deaths for mm. different beings so I believe this was the end of it or her cycle I guess uh, but it, it kind of makes me wonder, so who is death now? Is it, is she passing that on to him because she can't yeah. deliver the, the letter or she mm. now found her soulmate and someone else is going to take over? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it is. Well, we will never know, I guess. And how lovely that it's left us all guessing, you know, <laughs> it, it, I, lo- I love that. So Rick, I think this has been fantastic to have you on um you not only you know was it awesome to hear what you think of this book and why you love it but also you brought us so much information you know (laughs) we've we've been on a little journey research (laughs) yeah so this has been very refreshing so yeah thank you for bringing this book into our lives what we should do before we go is we should each give our quick sort of summary of the book give it a score out of 10 and then we can all kind of pull our scores out of 10 together (laughs) to give the one that goes on the website so just for me um yeah love the concept found the read slightly challenging, but ultimately loved what I got out of it. I was so glad I read this. I think it's, yeah, incredible. I'm going to go with a strong, strong 8.5. Hadj, over to you. I loved it as a concept, found the writing very interesting. Uh, wasn't particularly fussed, if I'm honest, by the by death falling in love. Didn't really do it for me. Um, it was like fine. It hasn't stuck with me in a way that I, uh, you know, want books to stick with me. It's again, it's fine and interesting. I'd probably read more of his work. I'll give it a seven. Cool. And Rick? Uh, well, I'll have to give it a nine, mainly because um, it, it, it's one of my favorite writers. And I think this story, particularly, uh, it's great in English, but I think a lot is lost in translation. Uh, and it is only because, you know, there, there's certain words that I now find in English that I can't translate to Portuguese. And I, I didn't believe that I, you know, that, that I couldn't before, but now I'm finding myself doing exactly the opposite. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that uh, although the writing is well translated in Portuguese, it does have a different tone. Uh, I think the story is, it was always intriguing to me. It still is, I think is of the time. Um, and there even, I have I have quotes of the book in Portuguese and English, so I love that. I love that fact that I can quote the book in two different languages and <laughs> not even the same quotes because I guess the the way they sound in each language makes it interesting, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would I would give it yeah solid nine and at least give it a try if you want to challenge. Well. I think a nine is what we are giving this. I'm, I'm very happy Rick's, with that. Yep. Rick's score wins over. So yeah, that was Death at Intervals with the amazing Ricardo. What's his full name, Curtis? Uh, we Say agree it. we're not going to do this. Yeah. Ricardo Jose 
oh god what a, i can't do it anymore it's been so i introduced you on stage as this one so the whole audience yes. went oh <laughs> ricardo jose bonito deportivo la coronia <laughs> thank you so much for having me I, I, from the get-go when you guys started uh, i thought it was great what you're doing and i wanted to be part of it just because you know i love you too and i love talking about books and you know it's great that we made this happen we'll, we'll do it again and hopefully yeah. we can do it in person yeah you are too kind good sir and like yeah. had just said yeah let's let's make the, let's let's pick another book and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll do another one like yeah, yeah. post lockdown one yeah <laughs> thank you so much for listening once again to the dabblers book club we've had our special guest on ricardo talking about death at intervals uh, next week we have no idea what we're doing we need to write a long list of books <laughs> we'll figure it out thanks so much for listening we'll see you next time bye bye This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.